Hello and welcome to the Golfing Greenkeeper podcast. I'm Steve Smith, your host. As you probably know by now, if you've listened a few times, hopefully you have, and hopefully this is you returning once again. This is a podcast where you're going to learn all sorts of things to make your game better and stay excited about golf through the information I can bring you from greenkeeping and architecture. This is episode number 29. And a little overview of today's episode, we are getting into walking the fairways yet again with some more news across the country, some bits and pieces happening around the place. Like I said in the very beginning, welcome, trying to keep you excited and up to date about what's happening across the golf landscape throughout Australia so you know where which golf courses are improving and where you might want to get out there and enjoy and test yourself next. It's always, always interesting to see what's going on around the place. I do love to bring it to you and I'm sure we all love to hear it. The other thing that's happening today on this episode of the podcast, I'm going to try and give you some information about rolling. Rolling on a golf course, in particular rolling greens, why it's important to you as players and what we try to achieve in doing so. I welcome you as we walk out and enjoy a beautiful late spring walk and wander on the fairways. It's such a fantastic time for golf, certainly across the East Coast. And look, to be honest, as Australia slowly starts to wake up out of winter, it really is a beautiful time for golf. And uh, as certainly New South Wales and Victoria start to slowly emerge from their lockdowns, what better way than just to really get out there and and just take it all in. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. And every other state that's been open for a little while within yourselves, you've been enjoying the the back end of winter and into spring. So we're looking forward to joining you guys from New South Wales and Victoria as well. Fantastic stuff. Now, let's kick it off. And I want to start off with a, a couple of architecture appointments that I've been hearing lately. And we'll go straight into Victoria where OCM have been announced. That's Ogilvy, Cocking and Mead. The architecture firm there that we know of have done so much good work in Victoria, more recently with Sandy Golf Links and Lonsdale, for example, down there. OCM have been have announced that they've been recently appointed the architects for the National Golf Club in Victoria to do an enhancement plan for the National's Long Island Golf Course. Now, if you're not sure who the National Golf Club are, well, they have four golf courses as part of their golf club, being that of the Old Course, the Moona Course, the Gunnamatta Course, and those three are located down the Mornington Peninsula at Cape Shank. And they also have the Long Island Course, which incidentally is back up further north towards Melbourne, but is located right next door to Peninsula Kingswood. So it's sort of, it's the, the, the southern reaches of the sand belt, if that's the best way of putting it. I have been fortunate enough to see Peninsula Kingswood and, uh, and I've seen the work OCM did there. And if that's anything to go by at all, the fact that Long Island shares a boundary with PK, as it's known, and, and that means it's going to have very similar soil characteristics, I'm really, really looking forward to what OCM are going to be able to do with Long Island. Like I said, PK is like... Nothing else I've I've seen in a modern design. It's really modern redesign, I should say. It's quite incredible what they did there to the 36-hole facility. Long Island's 18, right next door, like I said, this is going to be one to watch. So really looking forward to what OCM are going to bring to the table and what they want to do to Long Island. And I think it's a very, very good appointment that the National Golf Club have done in Melbourne, or in Victoria, I should say, to bring OCM on board 
with uh, with Long Island. So looking forward to see what's going to come through from that one, and I'll certainly keep you posted as we do. Another one that another announcement that I've recently heard is Contour Golf's Ben Davy has been doing some work at Yuani Golf Club in Canberra. Now Yuani's got a very very good name in Canberra, certainly one of the upper echelon courses in the ACT. Um, that anyone, if you've travelled to Canberra, plenty of good golf in Canberra. We do know that, and Yuani is one of them on the list that you must play down there. Now, they've got Ben Davy involved and to do some course improvements that could be happening over the next couple of years. All is currently being considered by the club, and I'm sure it will be very will be very exciting to see what the club decides to do moving forward with Ben as their architect. So, look, Ioane's had a great name for a very, very long time, and like a lot of places at the moment, they're looking to stay ahead of the curve and just probably bring a few things up to date on the golf course, uh, certainly architecture styles and some of the courses that might need improving overall. And when you do that, when you try to improve some of those surfaces and areas around the golf course, you you get an architect engaged and the architect in consultation will look at the lay of the land and say, look, maybe these are the sorts of things that we can consider in these areas as well as just building a, a whole new profile, for example, on a green or adding a bunker. So they're looking at a lot more than just one or two things. And uh, it's a it's a long-term vision, which a lot of clubs do, which is fantastic. And Ioani are the next one for Contour Golf and Ben Davey to be looking forward to. Now, we go to the usual rounds where we look at some of the works that are happening on golf courses. And I'll start off in New South Wales. There's just been so much happening in New South Wales. It's, um, it's certainly a place that I have my ear to the ground a lot more. I'm certainly a local to New South Wales and a lot of people in New South Wales, but it's it's a state that's got the most golf courses as well, I'm pretty sure, so far abroad, and uh, and there's plenty going on. And there's a lot seems to be happening down along the Murray at the moment. So I'll start off on the Murray River, the border between, Queen, uh, between New South Wales and Victoria, and we go straight to Yarrawonga, Mulwalla. And that's its full name, as it's known, affectionately known as Yarra, Yarrawonga. Um, it's on the New South Wales side of the Murray River, of the mighty Murray River, which is the largest river system in Australia. And their staff have been busy completing some course works on the 14th and 15th holes, which includes extending the lake around the 14th green and also into around the 15th tees. And there's a little bit going on here. So Yarrawonga, if you don't know it, it's a 45-hole complex. There is so much golf down there at Yarra, Yarrawonga. It really is an incredible facility. Like I said, on the Murray... There's a whole lot of golf there, and they do a little bit in upgrading from time to time, and it's a really good thing to see. So the 14th and 15th, it's included uh, some minor changes to the 15th, which makes it a drivable short par 4. The 14th is a par 3. It's got water around towards the green now, and they've extended that around a little bit further. So there's a few things happening down there at Yarrawonga. Enough to keep people excited. Certainly looking forward to the end of year travel and holiday period for a lot of Victorians. They often travel north to the Murray. It's a beautiful water sport region is the Murray River for a lot of people. And part of that is that it's a wonderful golf region. And there is a lot to do down there. So Yarrawonga are doing some work, which is fantastic to see. We move over to Rich River Golf Club. Now, it's also on the Murray, and I've got a couple to mention here on the Murray. It's a 36-hole facility, another big golf resort. It's located further west along the river from Yarrawonga at the twin towns of Echuca Moama, and again, it's on the New South Wales side of the river. 
Lots of great golf along the Murray. I keep saying that there's plenty of places to uh, to go there, plenty of resorts, and lots of big golf resorts. It really is a destination. Now, at Rich River, they've been further improving their bunkers with more custom-bind drainage system being installed in the bases of their bunkers, and this time they've done it on the seventh hole of the east course. Now, they've moved through quite a few bunkers this year, and they've still got some more to go this season with the custom bind, and that's just going to improve the drainage of those those bunker bases, improve the playability of those bunkers, and overall, the longevity of the bunkers that won't need a lot of maintenance. It'll reduce the long-term regular maintenance of those those bunkers and, and the sand involved. It just makes it so much better for golf all round, especially down there on the Murray. Let's be honest, we all know that it's a drainage system of Australia. There are heavier sort of soils around that place, around that region. So we want to make sure that we have really, really good drainage along the river. And those golf courses, uh, to have to have a good bunker liner in in the in the base of those bunkers, is going to improve the drainage and overall, like I said, it'll improve the playability. And Rich River is one that's pumping some of this work out, which is great to see. Now, one of the things that I've one of the golf courses along the Murray I forgot to mention had done some work previously was that at Cobram Baruga, where they've built a new nine-hole mini golf course to add to their amazing, wait for it, yet again, a 36-hole golf resort. Another big resort along the Murray is Cobram Baruga. So they've installed this nine-hole mini golf course, and like I said, the Murray's a holiday region for both New South Wales and Victorians, and it's just something else that's going to be an addition, especially for kids to get them engaged in the game and have a lot of fun. And it's easy fun to have with a family, young family, small kids, even, look, let's face it, I love mini golf. I'm a bogan for it, massive fan. And uh, these new mini golf courses are sensational. They are really, really good little facilities to add to these golf resorts. And Cobram is another one. Now, if you're not sure where Cobram Baruga is, it's again located on the New South Wales side of the Murray River. This one is between Yarrawonga and Tokenwall. So it's sort of halfway in between, not too far west of Yarrawonga itself. So there's all these golf resorts dotted along the Murray. If you're looking for a really, really good holiday destination and you're in New South Wales and Victoria and you can't travel, you know, let's face it, we can't fly into Queensland or it's too hard to get into WA or even to go to New Zealand uh, at the moment. Why not? Why not look at the Murray for a genuine destination for golf? You are going to, you could be there for two weeks and have a whale of a time and still probably not play enough golf there. There is that much golf to play there. So, Cobram Baruga is just another one to add to the list Rich River and Yarrawonga. It's just insane. I've not been there. I've, sorry, I've been to Tokenwall. Played at Toganwall, another 36-hole facility. There's just so much. It's nearly never-ending down there. It's fantastic. So that's a little bit around what's happening on the Murray, guys. We move up north of Sydney, north of Newcastle to, to the Port Stephens area for Nelson Bay Golf Club, which is a 27-hole golf course. In, like I said, it's in the beautiful Port Stephens area, north of Newcastle. And they've recently been upgrading their irrigation system on the golf course. Now, most of the course has now been upgraded, so look forward to some short-term improvements, to some quick improvements at Nelson Bay over the coming season. And ultimately, it will translate to long-term improvements. Like I've mentioned before, irrigation infrastructure on a golf course is critical to providing a great quality golf course and a great experience to players and visitors alike. It's not something that can, you know, we're not looking to deliver lush green grass all year round, but it it 
It deals with and manages the ebbs and flows of Mother Nature's rainfall and the inconsistencies that come about from season to season. And that's how you use them best. It's not about going out there and pumping bulk water out like a lot of people think. It's about just smoothing out the inconsistencies of rainfall. And Nelson Bay upgraded to a new rainbird system. Fantastic system. It's just recently been upgraded there. And uh, most of the course is being done now and they're looking to finish it off. But look, it's a 27-hole golf facility. Another popular area, very popular holiday area of New South Wales is Port Stephens. And Nelson Bay, along with a couple of other courses up that way, is one that's on your hit list to play. Now we go to Sydney to Bonnie Doon, the famous Bonnie Doon we know. And they've been doing some minor improvements to the course and look let's face it since the course was redone by OCM they've got this incredible golf course incredible golf course now it and it was always a good track but now it's in the incredible status as far as I'm concerned in Sydney and they don't have a lot to do but there's always something to do on a golf course and I stress that and a lot of golf courses need to make sure that they still do those little things it's the one percenters you hear me talk about and you heard in the recent interview that I did not too long ago with Phil Hill from Barn Bugle, very, very easy to understand about the one percenters, and he raises a point, something that I did, it's something that all supers try and achieve, and clubs really need to make sure they consider doing it as much as they can when they're not doing the big stuff. But Bonnie Doon's still doing one percenters on the back of the OCM rebuild from a few years ago, and they're extending their 10th tee. So they're just making it a little bit bigger, flattening it out a little bit more, just to give a little bit more playing room and areas to move the markers around. So good things happening there at Bonnie Doon. And these works will be ready for the Players Series, the all-important new format Players Series that we saw there earlier this year is happening early next year in March. It's scheduled to be hosted again at Bonnie Doon. And uh, and look, you're going to see it on TV then. It'll be ready for play then, no doubt. And it's a good positive change. One more thing to, uh, to hit on at Bonnie Doon before the Players Series makes a start there. So fantastic stuff happening. Now we go from New South Wales to Victoria. In the lockdown state that was Victoria is now starting to open up and very, very good to see. And I will say this, they did just have a few days ago some very, very damaging winds come a sweep through the state and did a lot of damage to a lot of trees and on a lot of golf courses through most of the state as well, along with a lot of parts of the state in general. But we're talking about golf. I'm talking about golf. And so you'll still see some probably some cleanup happening on some of the courses you're visiting. Um, the guys and, and girls on the golf courses are all moving through it so, so well. But uh, from what I've seen on a lot of courses, quite devastating. So you may even see some prominent trees that may be missing in the coming weeks that um, you know, they've that they've had to, to cut up because they were brought down by these winds. So we wish everyone well in their improvements and, and clean up from Victoria after those winds, and I'm sure they're getting better um, to clean it up now, and, and you'll be out there playing golf in a nice, clean space again very soon. We go straight to Spring Valley Golf Club. Now, I don't know a lot about Spring Valley. It's probably being outside of Victoria. If you're a listener who's outside of Victoria, it's probably one of the lesser-known courses in that sort of southeastern part of Melbourne. It's only located minutes of the famed Kingston Heath Golf Club. So it's kind of there on the Sandbelt area, well and truly, to be honest. It's only a couple of minutes away. Now, their course staff have been busy working through their bunker renovations on the golf course. This is including, for them, it's a redistributing of sand around the bunkers. It's fixing up and firming up the faces so you don't get so you, so you do get that ball rolling back down onto the flat bottoms of the bunkers and not plugging into the face itself. And that's something we don't ever like to see is plugging in the faces. 
So it's a good thing that they're moving through this. This is something they're hoping to have all their bunkers done on the golf course by the end of the year. And it's something that they plan on now incorporating into their annual maintenance practices of the golf course. So Spring Valley are really starting to spec up and starting to move forward and raise their, their standards a little bit more, certainly in the bunker area. And it's a really, really good thing to see. These things take time. It takes staff. It takes effort. But another positive to see happening down there, and certainly for Spring Valley, it's a really good move. And I, I think it's a, a real positive for people who play there and certainly their members to see these sorts of things happening on a regular basis. So great stuff happening there at Spring Valley. We go to Patterson River Golf Club, which is located further south from, from Melbourne towards Frankston, really. It's sort of halfway down the Mornington, if you like. And they've been busy with, with some bunker work there also. This time, however, for them, they've removed a bunker from the golf course. It's something we don't often we don't often come across, something that we don't often talk about, we don't often hear. But the club has decided that for them, this was a move to improve the golf course, and they removed the bunker that was on the front right of the fourth green, and they've turfed it out. This will obviously make the approach easier to the green as uh, there used to be a really narrow throat leading into the green surface between the front left and front right bunker. So what that leaves now is just the front left bunker at the green and really opens up that right-hand entry. And if you miss it, look, it's it's, it's a lot softer and easier. You're not going to have a sand shot coming out if you miss it short right, for example, trying to get up onto the green. So easier to negotiate now and something the club decided, like I said, that for them is an improvement for their members and their guests of the golf course. Not something often seen, but something that Patterson River are doing here, and uh, for them, it's a big improvement. So it's one thing to make note of that's happened around the place. And like I said, it's not always about adding bunkers. Sometimes it's removing ones that aren't necessary. And for Patterson River, that's one they decided that um, that wasn't for them. Now, Mornington Golf Club. You've heard me talk about Mornington before. They've been doing some work down there at Mornington with Ben Davey from Contour Golf and their sixth hole. Now, I was recently sent some photos from a good friend of this podcast, Ross Flanagan, who is the host of the My Love of Golf podcast, which is a fantastic podcast as well, guys. So please get over there and listen to that one. A quick plug for Roscoe. Roscoe sent me some photos when he'd been around and played at Mornington of the new works that are being done on the sixth hole. And the redesign, like I said, has been done by Ben Davey from Contour Golf. Now, can I just say this? This hole is going to be absolutely sensational when it's completed, when it's grown in and when it's open for play. One to wait for if you play down the Mornington Peninsula at Mornington Golf Club. I can promise you that. Some of the photos that Ross sent me, the the greens, all the surfaces, everything's been finished. It's ready for grassing now. And, and I think some of it will be seeded, no doubt, from the green surface and, and there'll be turf around there as well. But it is absolutely a picture the way that Ben has designed it with what looks like an infinity green is you're playing up to the green surface. You get this view straight through to Port Phillip Bay, lost in the distance, and it just it's going to be a grand hole. And the design and the way that the fairway shapes and flows and you get up and your shots into the playing surface, it's one to wait for, I'm telling you. So keep an eye out for Mornington and when that opens, if you're a player at Mornington, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're one that's, you know, if you're someone who's going to visit it, you'll enjoy it when it comes into play. So really looking forward to that one coming out. But Roscoe has sent me some things. So I've got some inside information there to um, not just from what I've heard, but also some of the stuff I've seen is fantastic. 
Now we leave the sand belt of Melbourne and we go to a place called Eastwood Golf and Bowls Club. Now I don't know Eastwood at all really and I'm not too well versed in a lot of areas of Melbourne. I've only visited a lot of I've only visited some parts and it's down the Mornington certainly around the city, but not well versed in further afield and a lot of a lot of other areas of golf in Melbourne. Well, I know this about Eastwood. I've done a little bit of research, as I like to do with courses I don't know, and I've come across the fact that I'll try and describe to you where Eastwood is and some of this stuff. So Eastwood is located east of Melbourne City itself, more or less at the foothills of the Dandenong Ranges, or at the foot of the Dandenong Ranges, to be honest. The Dandenong is a beautiful part, cool season, cool climate part of Melbourne, and Eastwood is just at the base of it. Now, they've recently installed some new irrigation to their third tee, so it's a marked improvement for them, that you know, just to better irrigate those tee surfaces to bring out a, bre- a better surface for play. And it's just some of the, it's, it, it's just a minor improvement, but it's an important improvement to the golf course, certainly leading into the hotter times of the year. So that's just something smaller that I've heard that's happening at Eastwood. Now, this is really cool. This is a this is what I like about investigating and researching a little bit about golf clubs. And I did this the last time I um, did a Walking the Fairways episode with with Wood End Golf Club. I like researching them. I like to understand something I haven't had a chance to go to. So this is cool. So they've done some improvements on the third tee with their irrigation, which is fantastic. Now, incidentally, this cool little point about Eastwood. Right near the first tee, there's something very unique. There's a sculpture. You know, we, we see sculptures on golf courses and different places and different bits and pieces around, you know, you might hear about them from time to time. But this is a little bit more than just another sculpture that's, that's it's not um, the, the Hills course in New Zealand with all these man, you know, man-made beautiful pieces of art scattered around the course. This is, this is something different. It's not just another sculpture. You see, there used to be a large cypress tree next to the first tee, which due to its decay had to be removed for safety reasons. So instead of just removing this one significant tree and it and it become another memory of the golf course, the golf club, along with some very generous members, decided to make it a different kind of feature of the golf course. They engaged a chainsaw sculptor who worked his chainsaw finesse if there is such a thing, if you know how to use a chainsaw, it's not a lot of finesse about them, but when it comes to being a sculptor, that is quite a talent. So they engaged a chainsaw sculptor who worked his magic to create what is an extremely unique wooden sculpture made from the tree trunk itself that's still in the ground. And what he created, this sculptor, was a golfer his bag of clubs and some Australian bird life around him as part of the trunk. So when you go there to Eastwood and you see this, you've got the trunk at the base coming out of the ground and then is this beautiful, carved, unique sculpture of of a guy playing golf in in an Australian setting all out of the trunk of this giant, what was this giant cypress tree? This is really, really special. So if you're going to think about playing somewhere different, why not go to Eastwood? Why not go to Eastwood here and, and see the 
I can tell you now, you're going to want to get a photo of this sculpture, along with playing the beautiful golf course that's set at the foot of the, the Dandenong Ranges. This golf course is something that's probably, probably one that goes unheard of, certainly for anyone traveling to Victoria to play golf, and, and probably even some of you Victorian golfers that travel around. I want to go and see Eastwood, like Woodend, like Warburton, like some of the other places that, you know, Lee and Gather, there's certainly some courses around that I've, I'm hearing about in Victoria that I want to go to. I want to go and see for different reasons. But this one, I, I nearly want to travel to Eastwood to see this sculpture. And, you know, I mean, obviously I want to play the golf course, but I'm really intrigued by this thing. And I've seen a couple of photos. So a random tidbit about Eastwood and obviously on top of the works that they've been doing to the third tee is this beautiful, unique tree chainsaw sculpture. I'm intrigued, and, and if you've seen it, why not why not DM me, send me a photo or something, and, and tell me about it. I, I'm I really want to know more, and and if you do, send me a photo, and I'll share it. There you go, it's out there. I'll share it because I, I want to see. If anyone has a good photo of this sculpture at Eastwood, send it to me because I want to share it. I want to see it. It it really intrigues me. I want to see a really good photo of it. So there you go. So that's what's happening in Victoria, guys. We move on. We go to WA now. I haven't haven't had a lot of, of news coming out of Western Australia at the moment, but in WA I've talked about the links at Kennedy Bay that's having the new redesign done on the golf course and the and the works are being completed for that redesign. It's a whole new basically gonna be a whole new golf course. So stage one is being hammered out. Absolutely flogged out there at the moment in the construction of Kennedy Bay. And now they're giving dates of when they're hoping stage one to be completed and they're looking around autumn of next year. So we're talking five months is more or less what we're going to see, maybe a little bit more, five or six months. Look, I'm guessing around April, May for me is when I'm thinking that these uh, new works will be ready um, and completed. doesn't mean they'll be ready and open for play because it's such a big reworking of the golf course. But April, May for me was when stage one, I'm thinking it will be completed. And that's really going to be a good thing to see this moving forward very quickly. It's certainly going to be interesting to see how this comes up, the new redesign. It's done by Graham Marsh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's going to look out there at Kennedy Bay. So we all know and have probably heard about the original golf course and how good it was. I hope, I'm hoping and I'm certain that this I'm certain that this one's going to be just as good. So that's what's happening briefly over there in WA. And one more that I'm going to bring out. Going up to Queensland, talked a little bit about New South Wales and Victoria. But going to go to Queensland for one final piece of info, and that's the 13th Green at Caloundra Golf Club, which I talked about once before as being built in the last two episodes ago. Now, that that's sort of their 13th hole has been completely redesigned. Caloundra is up on the Sunshine Coast. That green surface has now been sprigged, and it's all completed, ready for growing. The green-keeping staff can now do what they do best and grow the absolute shit out of that grass in this beautiful warm weather that's coming and get that 13th green up and running as soon as possible and ready for play. And I'm sure, I'm sure the members and visit members and visitors that play Caloundra are licking their lips at playing this one. So very exciting times for Caloundra with a brand new 13th green that is ready to grow in now and it won't be too long. Too long. You'll be able to see it really unfold in front of your eyes now for growing before you can get in there and play it. So there you go, guys. That's a wrap of walking the fairways keeping you up to date and certainly hopefully excited about some new things that's happening around Australian golf courses. Welcome down to my humble little abode I love to call the Greenkeeper Shed. 
Good to see you down here and I hope I can give you some more information and some things that get you a little bit uh, a little bit more knowledge, get you a little bit more knowledge about how to deal with read and understand a little bit more of your golfing game out there on the golf course. And today I wanted to talk about rolling, rolling golf greens. You've probably heard about it, you you may some of you may have seen the machines out there doing rolling on a greens and Probably something that we all think of a little bit more is rolling on bowling greens as opposed to golf greens. You're probably wondering why why would you roll a golf green? It's not flat. It's not, um, you know, is it something that happens on a dead flat surface as opposed to a, a slightly undulating golf green? Well, rolling, why would we roll? That's probably the broadest question. Why would we roll? Why would we want to roll a golf green? Well, the short version is we roll it for you as players. It provides a better surface. It provides a smoother surface. It provides a more consistent putting surface. That's the essence of it. And in doing that, we know that we can deliver to you as a player a better product. Something that's going to be a little bit more consistent through the day for the field to play on, for example. And it just gets out a lot of those inconsistencies in the putting surface. It'll 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 firm up that real top very small percentage portion of the surface of the the soil profile as well and flatten out the grass leaves and and there are sometimes different types of grasses on a golf green that can be a modeled type whether it be you've you've heard me talk about power bent and you've just heard um in a recent podcast you've heard superintendent dave rogers talk about they have a power bent mix as well at bathurst golf club so sometimes it does that but the idea is to give you a consistent putting surface that's the essence of it the other thing it can do is to, it can make managing the greens a little bit better for us. Solves a few headaches. And by that, what I'm getting at is when you cut grass, you're putting grass under stress. When you roll grass, you kind of make the surface smoother and more consistent and flatter, but you're not cutting the leaf of the grass any shorter. So in actual fact, it's a little bit better to manage with. The, the turf is able to deal with other stresses a little bit better and a little bit stronger. So we can give you a surface that's all, that is almost as if we've cut it, keeping the grass short, but we're not actually shortening the length of the grass itself. So it's actually a really big win for green keeping and managing the turf on top of providing a quality surface for you as players. So like I said, it's a win-win scenario. That's what's a really big positive about rolling golf greens. So if you were to use it, for example, the way that I did at Katoomba, that that me and my team were managing the the greens at Katoomba, we would cut, instead of cutting five to six days out of seven during the growing season, we were able to reduce our cutting by inserting a a rolling application. So you would cut and every second day you would roll. So it would be Monday cut, Tuesday roll, Wednesday cut, Thursday roll, Friday cut, and Saturday roll. For example, something along those lines. And you were cut. You were reducing by half the amount of cutting of the grass you were doing. The stress on the turf was basically broken down into half. So again, it could deal with the stresses of everyday growing, usually around temperature and moisture stresses and those sorts of things. So, But we were delivering you a better product because... A greens mower doesn't roll. It doesn't knock out. Whilst they're quite heavy, it 
it flattens out the surface a little bit, it doesn't work the same way as a roller does specifically. And a roller is quite a unique bit of machinery in the way that the rollers underneath the machine, it's not just a heavy bit of gear that's got a couple of rollers on it. They're, they're spaced out in a way that it will also smooth out those inconsistencies. There is a little bit of technology and, and research and development behind rollers and how they can improve rolling. So it's not just rolling. It, it, there are ways in that the ways that these machines are built and designed to improve rolling. So oils ain't oils, as John Laws used to say. Well, rolling just isn't rolling. Like you might think of, you know, if you run a a, a big wheel over a, a piece of grass, for example, there there is a specific way that these machines are designed. So it really does work in a way to deliver. At the end of the day, the only reason we're doing this is to provide a better surface for you as golfers which is a really good thing that we can do. And in turn, there's not many practices that we do that do that side, but also assist us in managing turf. And rolling does both things so very, very well and quite uniquely so. One of the myths about rolling is that you'll compact the greens. You're compacting the green surfaces. You might be sitting there going, well, hang on, if you're rolling and you're compacting the greens, aren't you then going to need to do more aeration are your you know twice a yearly greens renovations to to for aerating the 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 turf and the green surfaces is that going to need to be bigger will it need to be more regular will you need to do more of it well it's a little bit of yes and no because rolling only only flattens out and compacts just the top very small percentage of your soil profile you're probably only talking one to two centimeters really that top inch if you like and for example, on rollers, they have a slicing machine underneath some of the rollers as well. So you can drop down a slicing unit whilst you're rolling greens. You can aerate and sli- and aerate and roll at the same time. Quite unusual. Sounds a bit weird that you can do two things at the same time. But what it does is it goes across the surface. Really small, thin knife blades will go through the surface. And if you look really hard when we decide to do that, you can see those little slits in the green surface. The other one that I used to love is we had an attachment at Katoomba that would go on our greens mower. So before we'd roll, we'd run what we'd call a spike roller on our greens mower attachment, and they were two centimeter long spikes in a drum on the greens mower instead of the cutting units. And you'd run that over the greens and put in two centimeter holes all over the green surface, little really small thin holes. And then you would put the roller over the top of that. Whilst you could visibly see these very small holes, we were then rolling the surface. So, but it was keeping the surface open for oxygen movement and air movement and also water penetration into the putting surface. So we're not sealing it over. We're keeping it open and giving you a, a smooth putting surface at the same time. So you, again, you're, you're doing more work to provide better a better finish for players and for greenkeepers to manage the turf. So it's another win-win. We're able to introduce these spike rollers to provide that portion of, of oxygen transfer and, and penetration of the water into the green surface and still provide you a great quality putting surface. There's so many things that you can do with rolling that it just allows you to do so much more and provide a better surface and manage the turf better. Again, it really is, like I say a really interesting and unique tool to have on a golf course and something that I remember when I was 
doing my apprenticeship, it wasn't very well known. It wasn't widely used. It was only something that probably the, the bigger courses, the courses that had more money, the courses that had more labor, um, it was starting to come into that, that, that. That's something that they would use more regularly. Us in the Blue Mountains at a country course, a more regional golf course, you'd sit there and go, why would you spend all that money on a roller? It just adds work. Once you start incorporating that into your into your cultural practices on maintaining a golf course, it, it becomes a tool you can't do without. And the players that visit and frequent the golf course, be members or visitors alike, start to realize how good the putting surfaces are then after you start using it. And it becomes an addiction. Once you have it, you can't, go, you can't get away from it because it does provide that much better a surface. So one of those myths is that it, it compacts the surface. It doesn't. It only does a very small surface compaction. And that's easy to alleviate. And by, by managing that compaction, you're actually improving your greens again anyway. So it's not dealing with the compaction of the roll. You're actually improving the greens, which you weren't doing before anyway, by this small amount of aeration. Really is fantastic to be able to do that. The benefits, like I talked about, water penetration, you get heavy rains or regular rainfall, whatever, it soaks into the profile, doesn't beat on the surface and run away. You've got open, porous holes in the surface that will allow water to penetrate in through the turf, in through that thatch layer, which sometimes can become difficult to manage. Um, But in the process of managing that, you're punching through it at the same time. So it's better again. Other benefits are dealing with stress, dealing with heat stress, dealing with moisture stress, is that you're keeping the grass leaf that little bit longer, but providing a still a quality, smooth, fast putting surface that that your members and board and committees and everyone who's involved and the stakeholders involved with delivering a product are happy with having uh, being delivered. So that's another benefit, and and in turn dealing with those sorts of stresses, it's it's also better in dealing with other stresses like pests and disease stress because your plant's growing better it can deal with any pest stress a little bit better that becomes a slower problem to raise its head or not a problem at all when it normally would because your grass is a little bit healthier again so all these knock-ons just from incorporating rolling into your greens management practices really really impressive stuff and like i said the more you look into it the more of a reason there is you've got to find to say no. And once you start using it, you realize how good it is and you kind of start wondering why you didn't do it earlier. The other question that I often hear about people ask is, oh, it's a roller, it's another machine to buy, it's another... All these benefits that come from having a roller, again, equate to equate to a point where you, you can't say no to purchasing a roller. Now at Katoomba, and I, I can only go back to what I used to do as a superintendent and what we did as a club, at Katoomba, once we went down the path of, of getting a roller and deciding that we wanted to get one, we couldn't go out and buy a new one. We didn't have the funds available. It wasn't something that we could just go, okay, this year's this budget, we've got the X, and we know that we can incorporate the cost of buying a brand new roller. wasn't going to happen. We were too small a club and didn't have the funds. We were running, as they say, on the smell of an oily rag. We had a great team. And we had pretty good budget. It was okay. I was kind of happy with what I could deliver. But it didn't mean we could go out and buy a brand new machine and just throw it in the mix. I had to be pretty savvy. I had to make some phone calls and see what was around and look for secondhand machinery. In the end, we got a secondhand roller. One that had been used by one of the Sydney clubs. 
and it was up for sale. It had a few years under its belt, a few miles on the clock as they say, but you know what? They're not a complicated piece of machinery. That's the other good thing about them. Reasonably straightforward to maintain, not complex by any stretch of the imagination. So lo and behold, we've come across, or I come across, a pretty good priced, or a very good priced, though I should say, pretty good second-hand roller that I spoke to my mechanic about, spoke to the club about, and we decided, yep, let's go for it. And the co- honestly, I think it cost us under $5,000, and, and admittedly, this was 10-something years ago, but it was a, a cheap little second-hand roller, and it was absolutely, it was absolutely fantastic to be able to purchase that roller, purchase that machine, and have that as part of our our fleet of gear that we could maintain the course. And it was a step up. We were we were stepping our golf course up to the next level, and providing putting services that were rolled, and knowing that after I started to learn more about it and how it could assist our golf course and our putting greens, that they were better to manage. Our greens became better to manage. They became a little bit happier greens is what I wanted to call them. They were happier. They they dealt with stress a little bit better. And if you knew that the heat was coming, for example, you might have a couple of days without many big competitions that you could go, okay, in my back pocket, I've got the roller. I'm just going to roll for our members play. No big competitions, no Saturday comps. It's during the week, smaller competitions for members only. Let's just roll a couple of times in a row. So we'll let the plant manage and deal with that heat and that moisture stress a little bit better without cutting the grass leaf shorter. So all these things come about because we had a roller. Really, really, I can't stress enough how good rollers were. And and look, I'm I'm going to finish off talking about rolling on a golf green because when you go out there and play golf on a golf green that's been rolled, You'll, you'll know that it's been rolled because it, it rolls just that little bit better. It doesn't bobble along or bounce along on its way from your putter head to the, to the golf hole. It just seems to be like it's rolling on a billiard table. And that doesn't mean they have to be lightning quick either, by the way. Don't think for a second because at the end of the day, the length of your grass, the length of your grass on your greens governs your ball speed. It's friction. Now, if you have a slightly longer grass blade, and you're worried that they're going to get too slick, you can just let it grow out a little bit more, raise the height of your mowers a little bit more, whatever it might be. But you'll find that balance. And if you incorporate a roller into your putting green management on the golf course, it will become a better playing surface. So if you're a member of a club and you have a roller, it's fantastic to putt on. If you're a member of a club and you don't have a roller, I would start asking questions, what can the club do to acquire a roller for your golf greens? It's going to be that much better. And like I said, if and, and the best part is quite often you'll find that when you go out there and if you visit a golf course and you're playing on one, you'll be able to tell, trust me, when they've been rolled because they've got that real nice sheen about the look. It's just a nice shine to the putting surface. No visible stripes, that's a dead giveaway that a green's been rolled. No visible stripes from the direction changes of a greens mower. You, the cross-cutting is not so clear. It's not really bright and vibrant in your eyes. Just a nice sheen across the putting surface. And you can just putt your ball along and you'll know it won't bobble around and bounce around. It won't get affected too much by any of the changes in the putting surface from footprints, 
from gr- different growth rates and all those sorts of different things. So golf greens are much better for having rollers on them and it works on both sides. It works better for you as a golfer and a player and it works better for us as green keepers. Really big positive for rollers, but that's in short, guys, why we roll. It's all about you. It's all about you as players, but we happen to get benefits as well. And that doesn't happen in green keeping very often, but when it comes to rolling golf greens, it's a big tick. And it's a big tick from me, and I know those of you out there who have putted on roll greens, it's a big tick from you. And that's a quick rundown of rolling on golf greens, guys. I hope you enjoyed that little bit of a... It's a shorter segment on the Green Keeper Shed this time about rolling. There's not a lot of complications to rolling a golf green, not a lot of components to make it what it is, but it's very simple, very effective, and hopefully next time you go out there and play golf, you'll start to understand a little bit more why greens roll better if you know the course has a roller. And if your course doesn't, why not ask the question? It's not always expensive. Clubs can do their homework and find, like I said, we didn't. We never bought a brand new one at Katoomba. So clubs can do their homework. And if you're a part of a, the decision makers of a golf club, I want you to start thinking about how you can incorporate a roller into your greens practices if you haven't got one. Think about it. Go out there and ask some questions. See what it costs. See how you can acquire one. Because I promise you, the step up from not having a roller to having a roller, it will blow your mind. That is the end of the Golfing Greenkeeper podcast for episode number 29. Please like, share, subscribe. As I always say, so good to have you around. Come back listening in. And I'm really thankful to have you around. Please pass it around to friends, families, anyone you think that might benefit from learning a little bit more about greenkeeping and how it can improve your golf. As always, you hit them clean and we'll keep them green. I'm Steve Smith, the host of the Golf and Greenkeeper podcast, and I look forward to having you back next week.